Hello, and a very, very special welcome to the Haunted Halls ESG Now. The show that brings you the ghouls, the gremlins, and the ghosts that stalk the portfolios of well-intentioned investors. I'm Bentley Kaplan, your ghastly host for today, coming to you from the cursed shadows of Devil's Peak. And in our Halloween special, we're going to load up our duffel bags, sharpen our machetes, and lace up our Rambo boots, because we've got zombies to hunt. Zombie directors, to be precise. Because, dear naive investor, while you might think zombies are the stuff of fiction, the threat of a zombie director is all too real. And for some companies in your portfolio, it may already be too late. Because they might have the world's most fearsome corporate zombies stalking the board meetings, skulking by the water cooler, or, you know, hugging the only good coffee machine in the office. And although these zombie directors may not be eating brains, if you're an investor that has a passing interest in the rights of shareholders, well, you might start feeling the hairs on the back of your neck start to prickle. Just a touch. <laughs> um, hold on, uh, uh, one sec, how do I turn this off? Right, okay, so a little less spooky, but zombie directors should definitely be giving you the heebie-jeebies anyway. But take courage, because on today's show, in a nod to Max Brooks' Zombie Survival Guide, we are going to scribble down some crib notes on what a zombie director is, how to spot them, how you can try to stop them, and if you don't have the stomach for a fight, how to find safe passage to an investor's haven, free from these ghoulish directors. Thanks for sticking around. Let's do this. So, not everyone will be as obsessed about zombies as us. And for those people living that more decent life, basically a zombie is a, quote, corpse revived by witchcraft or magic. In coarse terms, someone's vital organs like their heart, their lungs, their brain, their life force, if you will, have checked out. But literally, with a little juju and a can-do attitude, these unfortunate souls are reanimated and left to roam the earth, giving everyone the heebie-jeebies. And it turns out that a zombie director is not all that different. Because they're basically a director of a company that for one reason or another doesn't have the support of more than half of the company's shareholders. But instead of being turned out into the corporate wilderness, the company's board decides to hang on to that director, with a little bit of governance magic. Now for better or worse, I know nothing about the witchcraft needed to revive a real corpse. And truth be told, I'm also a little foggy on how you revive a functionally dead director to become a zombie, or as an investor, how you spot one, and what you can do about a zombie infestation in your portfolio. So, I need me a seasoned zombie hunter. And as I picked up pretty quickly, when you've been hunting zombie directors in the long hours of the night, even just the thought of them can start to get your blood pressure rising. Yeah, but I think that's kind of justified, right? A zombie director flies in the face of some of the basic notions of shareholder rights. They don't necessarily eat brains, but they do eat away at the rights of shareholders. And this is the right to duly elected representation. If shareholders lose out on that right or on the right to remove directors they're unhappy with, then voting becomes quite trivial. It's symbolic and nothing more at this point. 
If we forget the nuances of corporate governance for a moment, basic common sense dictates that there should be some sort of consequence to voting. And that's Nilofar Kuchimova. When she's not hunting zombies, she's working in MSCI ESG Research's corporate governance team out of, or well, near to the Toronto office, as COVID keeps things a little bit squeezed. Right. So a zombie director is basically a director who fails to gain majority of shareholder support in a company's annual director elections. Or in simpler terms, this director basically wins less than 50% of the votes cast. Now, the reason we're labeling these directors as zombies is that by the basic premise that they couldn't win more than half of the shareholder votes for their re-election, these directors are quote-unquote dead. But even though they're dead, and even though shareholders have arguably voted this director off, you know, whether it's abstaining from voting or voting against them, they aren't technically kicked off the board. On the contrary, they're very much still in the game and pretty active in their duties. Okay, so let's pause there. Because what Nilofar and other governance analysts grapple with constantly is the relationship that directors have to company shareholders. In blunt terms and caveats aside, directors are often seen as shareholder representatives, and one of their main jobs is to act in the best interests of shareholders. So when these directors are up for re-election, and they can't drum up clear support from a majority of shareholders, well, it's kind of like they lost their life force. Shareholder support for a director is basically their vital system, their heart, their lungs, their reason for being. It's Halloween, so I can get away with these grand statements. So it's weird that taking that life force away through a numerically verifiable vote doesn't automatically see a director keel over then and there. Now, for human zombies, the kind that stalk the screens of Hollywood, bringing someone back from the dead needs a special kind of magic. Maybe a decent dose of courage, a devil-may-care attitude, and the odd how-to guide probably wouldn't hurt either. But for zombie directors, it's a little less glamorous. A drier type of magic is used. Well, uh, it's pretty much all to do with the voting standards at the boards of these companies. So let's say if a company has plurality voting in place, it basically means that shareholders cannot vote against this director, but they can only withhold their vote. The effect of this is that in uncontested elections, directors can actually be elected by even a single vote in favor, even if all other votes were withheld for that director. But... Um, in contrast, when we look at majority voting, for example, which you know raises the bar a little, you still need to keep an eye on the fine print because the devil is very much in the detail. So, under majority voting, nominees must receive a majority of the votes cast to be elected, or else they have to submit their resignations to the board. So, in theory, this standard should prevent the possibility of zombie directors. But in reality, we did identify zombie directors at four different U.S. companies with a majority voting standard. Oh, now we're getting spooky. The voting practices at a company can make it vulnerable to a zombie infestation. In plurality voting, shareholders literally cannot vote against a director. But even where they can, even where a director has got to type up their tear-stained resignation after getting less than half the possible votes, Well, it turns out there's no guarantee of them staying in the ground after they are assumed to be dead. And this is the part that I really don't want to get lost in translation. Whatever a company's voting structure, if a director has the support of fewer than 50% of shareholders, it is a really big deal. To show you what I mean, let's take the MSCI USA IMI, which is made up of more than 2,300 companies. 
Now those 2,300 plus companies have a collective of 21,640 directors plus minus. And across those 21,000 directors, the average shareholder support they get from shareholders when it's election time is 95.3%. So if you're a director that's hitting less than 50%, that's a bit of a problem, right? Exactly. I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that when these zombie directors receive negative votes or fail to win majority of votes, there's probably a reason for it. Uh, we can never really know for sure unless investors provide their voting rationale, but there are a number of different possible motivators that, you know, they range from lack of gender diversity on a board to having too many overboarded or long-tenured directors, or even because investors are aggrieved about something like executive pay. So when shareholders express, them like, express themselves like this by voting against the director or withholding their vote, only then to see this director rise from the dead, well, it starts to raise some questions and eyebrows. So then we started looking into just how infected these companies might be. We restricted our initial analysis to the US. And first up, we found four instances, like I mentioned, of companies with majority voting standards, where the majority of shareholders had voted against the director, saw that director submit their resignation, only for the board to turn around and reject that. By and large, though, zombie directors tended to infect companies with plurality voting. In total, we hunted down 54 zombie directors haunting 32 US companies as of 2020. About two-thirds of these companies only have one zombie director on their board, but for a select few, it gets a little worse. Um, when we did our analysis and when we last checked the data in October, Netflix had five zombie directors and Old Republic International had seven. Okay, well, that sounds just a little too infested for my liking. And maybe if you're invested in Netflix, you're okay that they have a handful of zombie directors on their board because, I don't know, it's like focus group testing when they're developing movies about actual zombies. But if your investment philosophy stretches a little bit further than bankable zombie content, then you may be getting a little worried, and rightly so. Maybe it's time to start digging around in your zombie apocalypse survival kit for something useful, a little firepower to help you take on this army of zombie directors marching straight towards your portfolio. Now, when it comes to quote-unquote real zombies, your options are as rich as your imagination. Anything from rusty machetes to hand-carved crossbows to titanium crowbars finished in fuchsia spray paint. And although shareholders may not have such a diverse armory to tackle zombie directors, they may have a few tricks up their sleeves. So let's see, let's see, what have we got, what have we got, what have we got in here? Okay, so, okay, here we go. Okay, so as a shareholder, my first go-to is the vote. Let's try and vote a director off the board at the AGM. No, that won't work, and that's pretty obvious. I mean, it's in the definition. Right, right, duh. That's what we've been talking about for the last five minutes. Okay, so let's let's dig around. Let's see what else we've got in here. One sec. Um, okay, okay. How about we try something a little more aggressive? What if we whip out a whole shareholder proposal? Like, let's ask companies to put in a voting standard, which basically makes it impossible for them to keep a director if they don't have a majority of shareholder support. Let's put that vote in front of other shareholders and let's see what happens. How do you like them apples? 
Well, not to sound too negative, but this doesn't seem that useful either. For example, Netflix shareholders have put a proposal in 2018 requesting the board to adopt a majority vote for the election of directors. And they actually received almost 72% of votes in favor, but it wasn't adopted. Or another example is First Community Bank shares. There was a shareholder proposal in 2019, which received around 53% of votes in favor, but that wasn't adopted either. <sighs> okay. Okay, so we're starting to run out of options here. Uh, okay, forget votes, forget shareholder proposals, but let's see what else we've got here. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, here we here here we go. Okay, well this this one's a bit finicky. It doesn't always load properly and sometimes misfires. What about engaging with a company, having an official meeting, or you know something a little more unofficial like on a yacht? or on the back nine, just leaning on company management a little to move a zombie director to the governance afterlife once and for all. It could work. I mean, we have seen situations in which a director didn't receive a majority vote one year and was technically deemed a zombie director. But then in the following elections, that very same director received very high shareholder support. So as long as the board is willing to recognize there's an issue and why there's suddenly a zombie director, and then they work to address these underlying issues of why shareholders are unhappy, then they could possibly be a turnaround in the next elections. But still, I would say it's a long shot because you never know if boards will engage with shareholders and if so, to what extent, and is it really going to be genuine? So while that is an option, it's not a guaranteed one. Two, okay. So this is a tough nut to crack. This is like the investor equivalent of having a bunch of brain-hungry zombies marching at you while you go from machete to sort of shotgun to crossbow and seeing all of these weapons fail to stop the onslaught. So if you can't fight, it's time to run. But if you just bust out of your hiding hole without an exit plan, without a map to get you to safe zones like tropical islands, you could get stuck in an even trickier spot like a zombie nest or something like that. So Nilofar, help investors out if they're trying to escape a zombie infestation in their portfolio, where do they run to? How do they find somewhere completely zombie safe? Frankly, the only place where you can really be sure that there are no zombie directors and there won't be any zombie outbreaks is really only at companies in which there are majority voting standards, but with immediately binding resignation policies. The scary part is only 15% of the US companies that we looked at in our analysis had such policies in place. Plurality voting was at around 44% of the companies, while majority voting with non-binding, that means board rejectable resignation policies, accounted for the remaining 41%. Yikes. Just 15% of companies that are zombie-proof. So you really need to pick your sanctuaries carefully. Which does make me wonder, after all of this, if so few companies have got structures to prevent zombie directors climbing onto their board, and zombie directors just seem like part of the furniture, are they really all that bad? That's the real question, right? Look, a lot of what we look at from the lens of corporate governance has to do with shareholder rights or shareholder interests. And when we talk about zombie directors, it gets quite tempting to fixate on these individual directors, but this is much more of a question around the structures that these companies have put in place to incorporate shareholder input. So 
in my opinion, the key question to ask is just how big is the gap between what shareholders want and what companies actually end up doing? And, you know, the bigger that gap gets, the more likely you are to see all sorts of terrifying manifestations. And zombie directors are just one of them. And there you have it. An investor's survival guide to zombie directors. And I can't really say it any better than our zombie hunting nullifier. Because zombie directors aren't terrifying by nature. They're not the brain-munching terrors of the night that you see on TV. Instead, zombie directors are a byproduct of the structures that companies have put in place to determine how shareholders can or can't choose their representatives. And maybe deep down, that is a whole lot spookier. Not so much the march of undead directors, but the corporate witchcraft that can take shareholder votes and make them disappear. Just like that. And that is the cursed end of our terrifying show. A wicked thanks to Nilifar, our fearsome zombie hunter. She is back on the trail already, hungry for blood. A skin-crawling nod to Rick Marshall, the haunted puppeteer behind this work. And keep an eye out for the blog that this research is based on. It's going to be on MSCI's website. And of course, how could I forget you, our dear sweet audience? Thank you for joining us on this little adventure, my pretties. Don't forget to rate our spine-chilling show. Review us if you have the stomach. And if you're the kind to head down into the dark basement after midnight to, you know, see what that noise was about, then maybe you're brave enough to subscribe. Wishing you all a most spooky Halloween. Till next time. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc. subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research, LLC, a registered investment advisor, and the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to, nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. Information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the use of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.